You're listening to Matt Loves Cameras. 2020 has seen a number of photographic firsts for me. Not only have I developed my first few roles of black and white film, I've also very recently developed my first photos in the darkroom. Thanks to a trip I did to Alistair's house where he showed me everything he could teach me in two hours. It was a wonderful, wonderful experience and you'll be listening along to audio that we recorded at the time. Also keep listening for updates on the Sprocktastic and the Matt Loves panos competitions and also for a few messages and thank yous at the end of the episode i'm matt murray and this is matt loves cameras film cameras instant cameras and everything analog photography related friends how are you i hope you are well wherever you are all around the world well it's school holidays again here in australia it would seem like it was only school holidays a few weeks ago but of course that was probably about nine or ten weeks ago now and i've actually been unemployed for that whole period of time and it's kind of losing its novelty value you know i'm trying to get stuff done around the house i'm trying to do projects and finish stuff off and all that kind of stuff and uh, but i can tell you what staying at home all the time with the dog has kind of lost its novelty value. Uh, Luckily for us, my wife has continued in work for the majority of that time and and she's just got a 12-month contract coming up very soon as well. So that's great. Maybe I'll retire early and become a man of leisure. Uh, Probably not, she'll kill me. Um, So welcome to another episode of Matt Loves Cameras, episode 37 of Matt Loves Cameras, recorded live in Alistair D's garage darkroom in Brisbane's inner eastern suburbs. So we started off the evening talking about Alistair's entry into photography as a young man and how he started getting into darkroom printing. Here we go. Hello listeners, I am at Alistair's house for a wonderful evening, hopefully, of darkroom printing. How are you, Alistair? Not too bad, thank you. How, how's uh, Brisbane winter treating you? Well, we're at the end of winter now, but how's it treated you? Oh, I haven't been so warm in my life ever. That's good to hear. Uh, I I can actually see here as a shelf of what I understand is exposed film. Have you been out there shooting a lot? Um, I usually try to get through maybe uh, one or two rolls a week. So yes, it's um, passion. I have given up digital uh, photography as a lot of your listeners will probably know. And I intend to just stick to black and white in the main. I will shoot colour, but the reason I like black and white is it um, totally takes away from the fascination of what people are wearing, the colours and what have you. And you focus really on the subject and the story. Sure. And what's your go-to black and white film? I have one which I really love, and that has to be HP4 because it is a very, very lovely film, great tonal range. HP4? Yes. Not HP5? <laughs> yeah, no, I was just trying to think. Oh, sorry, I should not look at my canisters at the same time. I'm reading an FP4 there. Easy mistake to make. 
Uh, well, let's face it, it could be HP4. When I started, it was actually HP4. Oh, really? And so, yes, it is HP5. Okay, right, yeah. yeah. In the previous century, of course, yes. it was yes. boys and girls who yes. were too young to know this. Absolutely. It, it was even HP3 yeah. at one point. Wow. But I, it wasn't when I was around. Yeah. I actually shot that for the first time in January. Um, I loaded up a Mu1 uh, little point and shoot with uh, HP5 for the Frugal Film Project. And I, um, I've actually bought those negatives today. Um, and I, was, I actually really enjoyed it. I, To be honest, I didn't, wasn't really looking forward to shooting black and white film in summer because um, January, February, March here, of course, is our summer. But uh, I, I really, really loved the images. I was really surprised myself by shooting black and white. It's um, a discipline, I guess, because we are so used to seeing everything on Instagram with very poppy colours and... Um, were actually abnormal colours, but that's another story. Um, black and white, well, it gives you a opportunity to explore the subject, the um, interactions of tones. Mm. And you get some pretty good results because mm. when you're photographing um, a subject which is very, very the same colour, for example, I did some ferns, it was green on top of green. But how did we separate it? Well, because of the tonal range of the film and the sensitivity, it was able to um, show some difference. In fact, I'll show you the negative here, and we sure. can talk about that a bit later on. The advantage of um, printing in the darkroom, of course, I have control, so I can use what we call a a more contrasty grade, which is a higher grade, yeah. which means that the tonal separations are more extreme so you will get that point what was that mantle of batman i work in black and sometimes very 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 dark gray and that is the beauty of using very uh say a tone four uh, i mean a grade four or grade five you will get that sort of um black and white with very little tones in between or some shots uh, deserve a lot of um, soft grey, buttery uh, feel about them, and you'll shoot, uh, decide. Well, I, when I shot that, I knew it was pretty close. I want to be take some of the extreme contrast away. I will modify the way I expose it, and sometimes you have to do, do both. Where we print uh, some the base probably on a very low grade and get a very good coverage of. Uh, greys on top of greys very dull but then to make things pop we add some uh, we do another little bit of a print by modifying the grade and then you get the blacks really standing out so let's take a step backwards and just let's talk about darkroom printing Uh, it's something that not all photographers all film photographers do at the moment so let's talk about how you got into it and when did you get into darkroom printing? Um, I guess my first experience in darkroom printing was at school. Uh, I went to St Andrews Cathedral School in Sydney and they offered uh, the first course as an elective, photography as an elective in um, between years, um, what is it now? I think they call it nine and ten sure (laughs) it wasn't called that when i went to school but there you go it was mr jenkins he was our techniques teacher he was a wonderful man he was very patient and i look back cringe how he treated the dark room we're all very passionate about 
learning photography. So that was really good because he inspired us to get in there and give it a go. And he would send us out with uh, an assignment each week to go and shoot a roll of film, bring it back, develop it, print it, tell a story. Wow. So not always achieving great results, but um, I know that uh, for myself and my friends, we were actually beginning to get there. So for example, uh, I did a, um, a series of shots on that were just basically studio-style shots on drinking a bottle of whiskey. Right. I wasn't allowed to drink the whiskey, unfortunately, um, but such is life, or maybe fortunately. <laughs> and so that was set up, and it was done on, um, uh, I think it was, it could have been Ektachrome, could have been Kodachrome, I'm not quite sure, but there was slide film. Wow. And it was beautiful colours that came mm. out of it. In those days, uh, you know, everybody talks about, I've got this old roll of um, film and I'm going to shoot it and it's going to be great. It's not. It was rubbish. I've seen a lot of those results and they are just bad. But they're good for what it is. But um, you've got to remember, it was shooting slide was fairly normal. People wouldn't Mm. do that because um, how many... nights have you gone there where you know your parents went on holidays and you had the obligatory slide slide night that's right yeah and it was great fun you go there and you would watch uh, these slides and um, the colours were just amazing Mm. so that really encouraged me so you were shooting some kind of positive um, film some slide film yeah what do you remember what kind of cameras you were using back then yes I was using a Minolta I can't remember the number I'm sorry but it was, it was a 35 mil. Camera. It was a 35 yep. mil. I had a job at a chemist, and yep. the guy at the chemist uh, was also into photography. Yep. And he encouraged me, and he allowed me to lay by a camera, which uh, and got it at staff discounts because I was the I was the delivery boy. No, yep. All at the toilet roll stacker is probably really more the truth, and that was um, great. And so I saved up and I bought uh, my first. Um, uh, Minolta and it had a 50mm lens and I think it was a 2.8 possibly um, if I remember I don't think it was a 1. Point something or other I yep. think it was pretty slow lens mm. but it was great yep. you know because it was mine I bought it I was mm. really really infused by it he taught me not to just go and buy every camera under the sun he taught me to say uh, his his approach he'd been in Vietnam and he'd done photography up in Vietnam and he was a really lovely lovely guy but he used to say look just get the camera and learn it because mm. uh, I would wanted every new lens I wanted mm. I wanted a new camera as soon as I got this one he said no forget it slow down I was very lucky my father gave me a Rolleiflex which wow. uh, I don't have anymore unfortunately mm. it got um, stolen a while ago, many, many years ago, actually. But um, so I started shooting 120, um, and then I thought I was graduating to uh, 35 mil. 35 mil is very easy and convenient, great, great mm. format. You can do some very great prints from it. Mm. But uh, 120 uh, on the old Rolly were they're amazing. I've yeah. got the slides and the negatives. Um, and they are just great. And 120 slides are just like, you don't have to project them, obviously, but they are just amazing 
to see. Yeah. And so it was very interesting how that sort of developed and because of Mr. Jenkins, my tech teacher, and the pharmacist, uh, John Ralph, they were the sort of instrumental in really getting me inspired into doing this. And John um, moved away and he went up to Gosford. It was in Sydney, he went up to Gosford and he used to invite me up for weekends. much to the annoyance of his uh, young wife. <laughs> but uh, we used to go up and we used to work in the dark room and we'd do printing and wow. and some of his shots from Vietnam, they were, they were horrific mm. in some of the scenes, but they were just so beautiful at yeah. the same time. So was he, he was, uh, what, conscripted to go to Vietnam in the Australian Army, is that correct? That is correct, yes. And he was uh, not, not a photographer, but he took a camera with him? That's correct, wow. yeah. And, you know, it's just the visual narrative of people helping their friends out, they're supporting their friends. That is what you got. So you would have, I remember one uh, photo of them all sitting with their heads down as, um, and he told me at this point of time we're being shot at, Mm. but I wanted to pull a new roll of film and so forth, but take some photos. (laughs) I didn't want to waste any photos. So he went around and basically photographed his mates yeah. keeping their head down, yeah. which I thought was a bit courageous. Yeah, absolutely. And what, what were, the, were these black and white photos? Yeah, or, black and yeah. white. And he, he was one of the people who convinced me that black and white really is yeah. the medium to go for. Sure. It's not about street photography. Street photography w- works great in black and white, but it also works brilliantly in colour yeah. because it's about the, the, the me now um, instant that people like to catch mm. um, but I look back at um, you know some of my uh, photographic heroes and we'll get on to them in a minute and I compare those photographic heroes to the sort of the natural photos that uh, John was taking mm. and I could just see he was he was a million miles ahead yep. so you'll get a lot of photos where you'll have people who are, you know, running. There was uh, one where he's actually um, got a photograph of uh, just his friend who had been killed, and but it was done really respectfully. Mm. Uh, it was an amazing, powerful image. Mm. And everything he said was, it's telling a story. Mm. It's not to glorify uh, fighting and war or to glorify pacism is actually just to tell it as it was. Yep. Here is my friend, he is dead. Yep. So I've actually done that, um, I know this sounds probably macabre, but every, uh, my family members where they've passed away, I've done a similar thing. Yep. Um, purely because it's history, because my children won't know this. Sure. When I pass it on, and they may pass it on to their children, um, it's that knowledge of, you know, you've got life, but there is death. Death is part of life. Absolutely, yeah. And so how do we um, tell people that? Mm. So there was a, some of the early inspirations for me to start. Sure. And to take the best out of that, uh, John used to get me to come and enlarge his photos. And he was a bit of a stickler about times, and uh, you'll discover this when you're working here tonight. Yep. We're not going to... Um, be extreme, but I've got uh, a regime which um, just is 
a set of rules which means you can repeat what you've done. You're listening to Matt Loves Cameras. Yay! So uh, I brought along some black and white negatives today from the from your favourite HP five. No, all four. <laughs> um, it was shot on a point and shoot, so I'm not sure you'd approve of that. But no, no. Any, I, I do love these images. I think they're, yeah. they're some really nice black and white ones there. What are we What are we going to do tonight? Well, uh, we're going to select one photo because I I want you to get the full understanding of printing. It's no use me just saying oh, I'll pass the negative and I'll print it. Sure. You know, you've come over here, you had my coffee, you've eaten all my biscuits, you <laughs> bastard. I think it's about time we made you work and earn your absolutely, key. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I'm looking at these these um, trays here, developer, stop and fixer. Uh, but this is, so this is a similar process to developing film. That is exactly right. Right, yes. okay. So you've got, um, the, the developer could actually be the same. Sure. Um, but generally a film developer has a slightly different uh, alkalinity to it, but you're better off buying a purpose uh, developer. Okay. So in this case, we're going to be using um, the Ilford Multigrade yep. developer. I'm using it for cool tones because okay. uh, I know how, how cool you are as a um, podcaster, Absolutely. so I thought we'd better use a full yep. strength. If I wanted a warmer tone, I would dilute it, uh, or if I wanted a neutral, I'd dilute it one-to-one with okay. water. Um, and if I want a warm tone, I'd dilute it one-to-two. Sure. Uh, but cool tones is today. Okay. So before we get to the developer, the stop and the fixer, how do we how do we get the negative, say, onto the paper? That's, that's a bit I'm not, I don't really understand at the moment. Right. So obviously the enlarger, we put it into the enlarger holder. Yep. And the enlarger holder will allow us to expose the film um, through a series of lenses, which is, you know, it's a, just a very small lens. It's not very complex. There's only about four lenses in the group. Sure. So, but that's all it needs to be. Yep. And it projects very flat, so you can actually, um, you don't get too much fall off. Yep. You get a wee bit of fall off, but it's not too bad. It's controllable. It projects it onto paper. The paper is then, it's obviously a negative. Yep. So what is um, dark will come out white. Yep. What is white come out black. Sure. And all the tones in between. Sure. We take the negative into the enlarger. It projects an image down onto the photographic paper, which we then have to move through to the developer, the stop bar from the fixer. Is that correct? In, in very layman's terms? That is it. That, okay. It's not more complex than that. Okay, great. The trick about um, printing is to understand how to manipulate the photo. Sure. Um, Dodging them, everybody's so enthusiastic to stick their fingers under the lens and dodge and burn. Yep. Um, you don't need to immediately. Sure. I always get people to, when I'm doing this training uh, sessions, I always get people to print the photo first. Mm-hmm. At grade two, mm-hmm. very boring. Yep. But you then have a look. Sure. Uh, until you've done that, and that's what we're going to do yep. first of all, is we'll take a negative, you're going to print out grade two, yep. we'll work, do a test strip first, which yep. allows us to calculate the correct exposure. Mm-hmm. We then do a full-size print, take it through the process, uh, pop it into what is the wash tray below, because sure. I don't have running water in here, but it's um, 
is a very big wash tray. Mm-hmm. It allows us to wash the tray, uh, wash the negative sufficiently. We take it out, we squeegee it, we have a look at it under bright lights. Mm-hmm. Uh, all negative, all uh, when I say bright lights, bright lights would be normal daylight sure. brightness. So the light we've got on at the moment is fairly bright. That's what we will use. Okay. Uh, but we come up pretty close underneath it just yep. to understand where we are. We also take into account that um, prints dry darker. Sure. So we also make some little assumptions. So yep. if we say a 30 second exposure looks really good, we might bump it down to 26 or 27 sure. seconds. It's just a smidgen off it. Yep. But it's enough to counter that um, drying dark. Yeah, sure. So what were we talking before? You were talking about grade two. I mean, grade two is something I usually uh, have my haircut done at, at the back and the sides. Uh, but what, what's grade two on the enlarger? Is that a setting and that, that controls what how some exposure onto the paper neck on the paper? Is that how it works? Or? Well, and for the viewers at home, mm-hmm. here is the box we have, which contains the Ilford ah, grades. Right now. For the listeners, mm-hmm. I've got uh, the multi-grade filters for under the lens uh, filtering. Sure. So, so I'm going to show a grade two filter now. Yep. This is very hard for people listening, but um, maybe you could describe the colour of it. Uh, it's like a pinky colour, is that right? Yeah, there is a degree of magenta in there. I was about to say magenta, but I wasn't but sure that's right word. more yellow. Oh, okay, right, sure. Yep, yep, Let so me I can do show that, yeah. you, now we talked about a grade four, and it's that's gone. getting more, yeah. More, more, more. Yellowy yellow. grey sort of thing, yeah. yeah. And what are these half stop kind of ones, yeah. or, okay. So that's gone up again. Yep. So these are, this one's just a neutral Yep. red so you can get a you can stop the exposure so these grades they go over what the the lamp when you're projecting the image down onto the paper is that what they do yes yep and what what's the different effect between say one extreme and another so the grade four as i said or grade five is just think of batman sure yep yeah work in black yep. or very very dark gray yep. um Whereas grade zero would be 50 shades of grey. Sure, sure. Right, but without the excitement. So <laughs> so is it, uh, again, uh, I'm a bit of a layman when it comes to all this, is it affecting the, the contrast essentially? Yes, yes. that okay. is correct. Yeah. So grade zero is what, the lowest contrast? Yes, very, very, yep. very washed out. Yep. There is very little contrast. But yep. some negatives actually suit that. Sure. Um, and a grade five is the highest contrast. Is that right? Or, yes. Or, yeah, okay, and, sure. And sometimes you want to get that stark, contrasty yep. feel to a photo. Sure. And it works well. So my plan was that we'll print a, a grade yep. two, which is generally what's considered the go-to neutral sure. grade level. Yep. And we'll have a look at it. Yep. But then we might just print one at grade five. Yep. So that you've got... Two opposites. Sure, sure. And then we might do one more final print where we split the tones, where we do split uh, tone printing, which is where we have a bit of bit of boring grey, yeah, and a bit of bang out black. So is that where the highlights are kind of one tone and the the shadows are a different tone? Is that yeah? Sometimes you've got negatives which will suit having a 
an effect yep. and maybe once we do this you can put this on the website for sure. people to look at absolutely um, but one of the reasons that this will work out quite well is that um, sometimes you want to have a overall nice tone sure because you need to having white bits and black bits it's basically like half tone printing yeah it's just you know there's either black or it's white or there's nothing sure. in between yeah uh, whereas photos in the real world we all have different tonal values everywhere so this allows us to explore that So I've brought you some negatives here. This was some HP5 I shot in January. And there's the first three or four frames, I actually went for a job interview and uh, I come down the stairs with my Mew1 and there was a beautiful, very harsh uh, Brisbane sunshine coming through this high rise building. And I shot off a few frames here with some sort of cafe chairs. So yeah, I, I quite like a few of them there. I like which ones sort of do you think would be, be good to print? Now, well, firstly, you're so old, I'm sure it would have been HP 4, mate. <laughs> no, it was definitely HP 5. I am very old, though. Yeah, no, that's not true. I'm only pulling your leg, mate. Okay, I, for the listeners at home, I'm holding this up to the light. Yep. And Matt and I are looking through. The one I'm pointing out is the building where it's yes. got a lot of contrast, a lot of yep. tones. So we've got some very, very dark areas, we've mm-hmm. got some tones uh, between, uh, yeah, probably you've almost got, um, yeah, I would say every zone there is awesome. in this particular photo. I did a bloody good job there, didn't I? You did a great job. Excellent. So I'll just describe the photo. I've got it on my laptop. I'm not very good at describing a photo from a negative, but I've actually got the, the scan here on, on my, my laptop. So it's actually, when I come downstairs, I think it was to the first level. Uh, the first level here in Australia is the floor above the ground level, um, but it was like a cafe. And um, looking up, there's all this beautiful woodwork um, and panelling inside the, the building. And then outside, you can see some other high-rise buildings. And of course, being Queensland, you can see some palm trees there as well. And there is... There there is a good, quite a good range of um, with that afternoon sunshine. There is quite a good range of uh, you know of tones and a uh, bit of contrast there. Exactly, and it makes a really good photo to study the effects of those different grades we were discussing. Yes. So we will print this one. Yep. And um, it will be interesting to see how a grade two comes out yep compares to a grade five and also we might decide if we get time to do a split tone printing yep. where we get a bit of both okay excellent now a couple of questions before we start what precautions do we need to take with the, the chemicals do we need a, a damaging or corrosive or anything like that or they are but they're not at uh, full strength they're being right. watered down diluted full. yep so Though that means they're at working strength. They're not as dangerous, but it doesn't mean you... Uh, Splash them in your eye or... <laughs> don't try to drink them. No, right? no. Apart from that, uh, just common sense. Sure. Okay. Um, I bottle my chemicals up immediately after I finish the process. Yep. Um, I clean the trays out. I make sure there's good ventilation. Yep. Uh, we're in a very large room, so we're yep. very, very lucky. We don't put the chemicals in until we're ready to print, sure. um, which we're about to do. And when we've done that and we come back out, you'll have a scene here where a bit of cleanliness goes on. Sure. Every, it's one of those 
tasks that if you leave your chemicals in the tray overnight, they oxidize mm. and you may as well throw them away. Okay, sure. So um, it's a habit I've got into because yep. when I was um, working, um, as I said, with the teacher, he was very, very strict on doing this, but it was a very good education. Mm. Absolutely. I also work with a guy called um, Chris Reed, and he's uh, Blanco Negro. Yes, in Sydney. In Sydney, yep. lovely guy. A lot of the listeners will know him. He um, had a dark room out down in Redfern, yep. and I used to go down and um, get stuff done there. And you know, he he's also very um, you know he makes me look sloppy compared to you know he is he's a, such a master printer. Mm. Uh, another inspiration for me, by the way. Yep. He showed me what to do. He actually taught my daughter. Uh, he ran this introduction to printing course. Wow. I took my daughter along because she was showing interest in it. And um, the way it works out is, of course, that um, you learn these habits when you first start. Mm. Uh, it will hold you in good stead. A lot of people get disappointed because they do leave their chemicals out. They yep. don't put them away. They don't treat the enlarger properly. They don't keep it cleaned. Everything is uh, just a bit of a hassle. So it's like anything. Mm. You know, if you drive a Ferrari, you know, and you just use it every day but never keep it clean, it's yep. going to be a mess. That's right. That's right. Uh, and a it's bit like my car. Yeah, well, I was going to say <laughs> So we're now recording as we're doing the the development. Is that what one calls the whole process, or the, 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 the printing? The printing, printing. And so the first the first part is doing the exposure on the enlarger. Correct. That is correct. Yes. Yes, and so we've just had a go, and I've uh, I've, I've learnt my first mistake. I, I put one of the the pieces of photographic paper in not quite straight, so that that's um that was quite easy to work out which one that was because it's completely crooked, isn't it? It is crooked, but it at this size we're not printing for final print. You would probably this is a lovely print that you've got. I think this would look really good at probably a. 12 by 16. Okay. Yep. Yeah. You know, the wife may allow you to put it in the garage <laughs> if you're right. lucky. That's right. Um, but let's let's go through the process. So sure. Matt selected his negative. Yeah. Um, is the one we were talking about before. He's placed it in the enlarger. Yep. Now on the this enlarger it has these slides which allow you to close down from a five by uh, six by seven. I beg your pardon all the way down to um, whatever size you want to print. Yep. I mean, in, in practical terms, I only ever print 35mm or 120 Yep. So there's a mask inside inside that sort of frame where you put the negative, there's a mask essentially, and that yep. goes through. And it's a little slide, and it slides yep. over, and it blocks the light from outside the area. So you're sure. reducing the amount of light, stray light that's coming out. Yep. Now, one of those slides, I'd like to say thanks to Bill and Alan, or the BA yep. slider, as we like to call yep. it. Uh, one of the great things about analog photography is where our equipment's getting old. Yeah. Right? We're not, obviously, or maybe we are too. <laughs> but one of the great things about uh, 3D printing, it allows us to take a print or uh, a bit of the bit that's broken, get it printed. Yep. Um, so I modeled this up on um, 
one of the free bottling sites yep. and just got everything perfectly cut and Bill and Alan uh, chipped some money in for me to get it printed. Yep. And so that's uh, Bill2 on Instagram. Uh, who's, a, who's a well-known uh, member of the, the analog community. And of course, Alan at the Film Sweats, another well, very well-known uh, member of the analog community, uh, both in Sydney, but um, they're probably known worldwide through their through their exploits in, in, in film. I believe they've been banned in several states. <laughs> no, not, not, not Queensland, true. never not never Queensland. <laughs> they can't cut, they're banned from coming up here at the moment due that's to COVID, but... I wasn't saying they've been banned for any other reason. <laughs> true, true. Um, so that's great. So, um, so that's great. So you actually had a part three, uh, the part for the tray, three D printed, um, which is just amazing, really, that, that that technology exists these days because you couldn't get a replacement part. Is that correct? Well, the replacement slider quote that I got was for about a hundred dollars. Right. Wow. And how much did the other part cost? Uh, that uh, the printing and was setup costs were about seven dollars. Yep. And material costs were about two cents. Wow. So he printed me about a dozen of them. Wow. Things. wow. <laughs> so, That's who, who printed them for you? Uh, uh, just a guy from Gumtree, oh, wow. just around the corner. He's uh, yeah, he was walking distance. Yeah. And I just messaged him and he said, yep. yeah, yeah, send me over the file. Yep. And he said, are you sure it's that small? Really? Wow. <laughs> I'm going, Excellent. yes, it is. It's that small. That's great. Bill and Alan have very uh, graciously contributed to, to helping you with this equipment. How can people do that? I mean, I know you've got a website. Tell us about your website and how can people sort of help out as well? Yeah, I've got... Um, my website's called Aspirational Photos. Yep. Aspirationalphotos.com. That's correct. And there's all sorts of information on there about uh, HP5 film, about printing. What else? A few camera reviews, a few book reviews. Yep. There's more coming. Yep. Um, in fact, uh, my next uh, article, which should be out in by the time you've got this out, will be about the lab box and the problems oh, awesome. I've been having it with yep. it and how I resolved it. Yep. Uh, spoiler alert, I actually love the lab box. I think yep. it's a great tool. Yep. And so I'm not going to be um, exploding it or breaking it or throwing it out. But it's, um, I did have some problems with it. And sure. it, so Figured that out. Yeah. So I'm just going to put it out there. Yep. People can read it. If it's helpful for them, then Absolutely. it's, you know, that's where that's what we should be doing with the analog community. Absolutely. And on your website, you have a, a coffee link. That's yes. ko-fi.com. Yeah. And uh, people can donate generously and, and help you continue writing those articles. Yeah, no, that'd be fantastic if yeah. they do. Yeah. Uh, but if they don't, I don't mind. So at this stage of the evening, we'd already done a test strip and we'd done a couple of prints uh, at various sort of grades. Now, you did hear Alistair earlier talking about the, the Ilford grades that he has. We didn't actually use them because they're used with a black and white enlarger. Uh, but because he had a color enlarger uh, where you can sort of change the, the, the color of the lights, you know, with different values, that's what we did. We were adjusting the color of that lamp to get the same thing, to get those different grades. And it was really a lot of fun. And now what you're about to hear is the, the final print that we did in the evening. Anyway, we're going to press the buns now. Yep. Uh, we're going to put some uh, paper underneath the uh, tray. Straighten this time, hopefully. Yes. Right. Oh, sorry, I shouldn't have dropped that, but then again, I'm trying to talk to you at the same time. Uh, now, we're doing a 
22 second exposure here and then mm -hmm. we're going to give it 14 seconds on a much higher um, grade yep and now the reason for the grade is that um, by varying the grade you get a much flatter tone or a sort of it's not flat that's probably the wrong way to describe it a, a gentle set of greys and then some very strong blacks. Okay, good. And that will make it look better. Okay, let's do this um, now. So there's the beep, and we've just got to wait for our next beep. 22 seconds. It's radio silence. Is that good? <laughs> I'll keep on talking because there's nothing worse. So is this is this the technique that you describe as split toning? Is that what yeah, it's called? Uh, split tone printing. Split tone printing. Yes. There you go, it's a beep. Right, so I've got to do some uh, adjustments. I'm just now adjusting the color head mm -hmm. to a grade four, uh, which is quite good for doing our blacks, but it's not too extreme. Grade okay. five is the most extreme. Right, so I'm now entering, I think 14 seconds is what we discussed. And here is ours. As you can see, the magenta is much stronger in this second exposure. Yep. Uh, for viewers at home, if you can see, look at the color there, you'll see that it is, <laughs> or you would just take our word for it. Okay, so what we're gonna do is take it out of the enlarger, and I'm going to press the button on the timer, mm -hmm. and then I'm gonna put the paper in. Yep. Paper's in, press the button, and this is a minute and 30 seconds. So a bit of gentle agitation here as, as we're going. Yes, as you can see, I just lift the tray very gently. Probably about half an inch. Yep. Yep, centimeter or two. Now I'm using fairly big trays. Mm -hmm. So it's a slower process for this because there's a lot of liquid in there. Yep. The smaller trays you can do uh, much easier, yep. obviously, because there's not so much chemicals, but mm. they don't have that lovely, slow, backwards and forwards, mm. gentle agitation. That but how, how important is that agitation in, in the, the printing process? I have a rule that I've set myself now on an exposure or development cycle, I should say, for uh, 1 minute and 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. I agitate, as I've just stopped now, for 30 seconds. Okay. And then I pick it up every 10 seconds. Yep. Or thereabouts. I'm not too precious, but it's about every 10 seconds. Sure. You, you learn how to work that out. And then you just keep on that agitation process. Yep. Until you hear this beep. Now, I'd say we've got about another few seconds and we're going to hear a beep. And that yep. means get ready to pick up. There it is. Okay. Take the tongs. You get the paper, you lift it up, and we're draining it. Now, I'm sorry, this is not very visual for yep. those who are listening. At Alistair is draining, uh, the, holding the print with tongs above the developer tray he's just taken it from. And now he's um, very, very gently. Yeah, carefully placing it. Never put your developer tongs into the stop. Yep. And if you do, because that always happens, mm -hmm. so I'm just gonna agitate the, in the stop bath at the same time. If you do, that is, just wash it immediately because it's um if you if you if the developer tongs if you get stop bath on there and put them back into developing chemicals it will pretty much ruin the chemical it'll kill the developer immediately and we don't want that okay so there's the second two we key, which means i hold it up and it holds up for 10 seconds so now holding holding the print above the stop bath yep. in the tongs and we're now putting it in the fixer and now in the fixer yep 
and gentle agitation. I use the tongs very carefully. If you have to push down, mm -hmm. very carefully yep. push it down so that you're not damaging the print. Because sure. it's very soft at this point of time. Yep. And we're just agitating. Now, as I said, I have a consistent rule uh, of one minute and 30 seconds for the fixer. Yep. You can probably turn the lights on in 30 seconds. Yep. After you've got it in the fixer. But if you have a set of rules that you're going to run by, they're the ones you stick to. Yeah, okay. So it doesn't matter if you turn the light on at that point of time and mm -hmm. just carry on. It's not going to end the world. Sure. What we're trying to do is set a standard that we can work with. Cool. Because otherwise you will never be consistent. And it's great to explore and experiment. Oh, I love doing that. I'll do some strange, wacky things and just play with mm. different lighting and different tones and different grades. And yep. Um, see if I can um, change the way the prints come out but I'll try to remember what I'm doing so sure a you replicate it yeah because yeah, otherwise if you do a small print these are only 5 by 7s mm. and I'll just pick this uh, up now you can leave it in the fixer for a few seconds longer so I'm not going to take it straight out okay but if you look at these sides they're very small mm. but they're still nice size print absolutely but the thing we're going to get out of it is that we're going to know that when we do a larger print, yep. we can get the same look and yep. feel and everything works really well. Mm. So, and that's how this works here. Um, okay, I'm going to take it out now. Uh, I'm going to drain it for the 10 seconds again. Now, 10 seconds, it's an arbitrary number, obviously, yep. but it's... As you can see, it's almost stopped dropping now. And yep. So you're holding it above the the fixer bath with that's tongs. That's correct. Yes. And then what's the what's the last one called? Is it a wash or yeah, what do you, what do you call it's it? A, it's the wash tray, and we just push it in, and that's a the wash tray. That's just normal water. Normal water. Yep. Now I don't. This is not the final wash. It's just because I don't have running water in here. Sure. It just starts taking the thing off, and every you'll see me even when I'm not actually doing any prints. I'll come and lift this up mm. just to agitate the water. So what do you mean it's not the final wash? Uh, we've got one more final wash. Okay. We, um, it's resin paper, so yep. it's pretty impervious, but we still give it a good wash okay. to take any chemicals away. Right. Fiber-based paper is... Um, I use a uh, hypoclearing agent, okay. which is a special agent which neutralizes any of the acids in the fixer. Yep. And I actually set up and I use my special drum, which is a color development drum, but I put the hypoclearing agent in that and I just let it run for a few minutes mm. and it agitates it. And then I just give it another wash yep and I've got my wash cycle down to about 15 minutes doing that way otherwise fiber paper takes probably an hour to give a good wash wow and you've got to do it carefully because mm. it's uh, gets so soft it's mm. just like picking up a gooey sponge mm. it's about to fall apart yep well it's not quite that bad but it's, um, it does feel like it's about to fall yep. apart and that's it So it seems to me um, there's a lot of different 
different sort of overlapping hobbies or interests as part of photography you know you've got you've got the the collecting of cameras you've got the taking of the photos you've got the the developments uh, and, and obviously printing is another one of them probably the, the of the ones i've mentioned the least um probably the least done in the community i would have thought do you think it's becoming a bit of a lost art it is and that's a shame because you know you've got um i'm not going to jump on the political bandwagon here but we have the um, people who think, oh, I just can scan everything. Yep. And therefore, that we don't need printing. Sure. And that's a shame. Yeah. Because the skill of printing, it brings out a whole new raft of um, abilities for you to learn. Mm. Um, and it's things like we talked about tone printing. And you can see... Um, and maybe it'll be on the website and you can show people what mm. they look like. Yep. Um, but point out where, the, you know, you've got the split tone yep. printing and that's a skill to get it right. Now, you mm. do that in Photoshop and you can say, well, I can do that in Photoshop in five seconds. Why would I bother? Mm. But the we all love photography. Therefore, if we're not supporting this, there's something wrong. Mm. And so um, that's what uh, where we're getting to. What, what do you love most about... Uh, developing and, and printing your own photos in the darkroom is the ability to get that final result yep um, pictures of the kids look yep. great um, I did a um, shoot recently and the woman said why do you shoot in film mm. and I said well simply because when I print this for you on fibre paper it will last for your 100 years yeah. yep. so you're not printing for yourself you're not even printing for your kids. Mm. You're printing for your grandchildren. Sure. And that is the joy of printing. You know that's going to last. Yeah. How many of you have lost negatives mm. on your hard disk because yep. your hard disks blew up? Yep. Um, and yeah, a good backup regime will help. Mm. But there's nothing worse than losing all your prints because you um, just store them on a hard disk device. That's right. My wife gets annoyed because I've got hundreds and hundreds of prints, but they're <laughs> yep. there. You've got them, that's right. I've got them. Uh, worst case scenario, I could scan the print yeah. again. But how do they compare, say, if you've had your images scanned at home or by a lab, and then you, you go take them to a printer and, and get them printed out, even not necessarily you know a cheap kind of Kmart 6x4 print, but a, even a better print. How would a scan negative print, how does that compare to a darkroom print? I think the joy of the darkroom printer is in the actual um, artistic merit that you can apply to the mm -hmm. process. Sure. Uh, you're in effect becoming a, an artisan in doing that work. You're taking an image that you've produced yourself. Yep. You're able to tone it correctly. You're able to um, extract the best out of it. Sure. Uh, there is obviously Photoshop, but the ability of Photoshop does anybody use Photoshop by the way I'm sure they do I must admit I do do some digital manipulation purely just to get onto Flickr sure and there is is obviously a great advantage and very quick to do yep but most of my Flickr photos are actually me printing like this sure then scanning it yep and then using a uh, photo editing tool basically just to crop it to size mm. and put a border around it sure so that's where I get to, and that's how I do it. And I'll carry on doing it that way because I believe printing this way gives 
it's a skill, it's mm. a joy. The, the, what you get in your hand is something tangible. Yep. Right? I can give you, I've got a disc up there with probably 45, 50,000 photos on it, right? This is a disc. Mm. Doesn't mean anything. Mm. Mm. And you can't look through 50,000 and go, oh, look at this one. Yeah, yeah. Or look at it on the screen. Yeah. Or, or hang on, where's that bloody cable for this yeah. really old hard disk I've got? <laughs> you know, that is, to me, the big problem. Yeah. So early this year, for the first time, um, I, had a, I had a Patterson tank, I got some Cine Steel Monobath, and um, I pretty much watched a few YouTube videos and chatted to a few people and developed my own photos, and I hung them up in the bath and I scanned them. And the learning curve, although they weren't, you know, I think the I didn't dry them properly or whatever, there's a few streaky water streak marks or whatever on them, but I did it, you know, it was, it was a bit of a learning curve, but I did it. Now, I've really enjoyed being here with you tonight, so I do thank you, Alastair, but it does... I, though I've enjoyed it and I'd love to do it again, it does strike me as the learning curve is a bit steeper for this. Am, am I right in thinking that or is it just first day nerves? Oh, I would suggest it's first day nerves because you knew exactly what we're talking about. Developer, yep. stop, fix. Sure. Um, it's learning the exposure to look at a negative. Yep. Right? And that won't come... You can look at a um, negative as a scan yep. or you can... And it's in the correct format you don't have to print it to get it into you know, from a negative to a positive mm-hmm. um, or you can learn the skills of looking at a negative and know exactly what they are now I've been doing it for a long time and I like doing it so f- mm. for me it's almost second nature Yeah, I understand the feeling that oh, oh, oh how overwhelming kind yeah. of yeah. but you know the f- as you got into it you started understanding what you were doing yep. there wasn't really True. any block there for you to say I can't do it yeah so I think you'd find that um, printing is just an extra bit of um, joy. Mm. Now, you can join the um, HP program and print them digitally, and mm. there is nothing wrong with that. It's yep. still printing them. The advantage of doing those types of prints is that you share them. Sure, sure. And it's that community or, you know, in your family, you pass them around. Yep. You, you know, oh, there's a photo of you. Yeah. Don't you look silly? Or yeah. isn't that funny? We had a great day that day. Yeah. That is that sharing of photos. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Mm. Now, along with your website, aspirationalphotos.com, did I get that right? Yes. Yes. Where else can people, you know, what's the go-to resources in your mind for for learning um, how to to create your own darkroom prints? Is there a YouTube channel? Is there a, is there a book? What, what, there, there what would you are, recommend? Um... um there are several uh, photos, and we'll give the links out because it's um, just to remember what they're called. Like, yep. um, I'll put you on the boss. spot. And, oh yeah, um, shoot like a boss. He's yeah. he's actually based on the Isle of Wight. That is correct. He's a lovely guy. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah. I've corresponded with him a few times yeah. about his um, bits and pieces. Yep. And I think he is probably a really good go-to person for someone learning. Sure. Um, but there are a lot of other people out there. Yep. I like watching people like Andre. Yeah, Andre Dominguez. Yes, yep. as he is going through this learning curve now. Sure, yes. I've and he is very podcast. brave and he goes out and he yep. talks about it and he listens. Yeah. So when he was getting larger, he yelled out and said, is there someone who can help me? Yeah. And so I saw a call come in and I was thinking, we're unpacking the house still. So this dark room was full of boxes, believe yeah. it or not. So yeah. it was huge yeah, set of boxes. And, yep. But he just caught up and he asked questions and, you know, that's what the community's about. Awesome. 
yeah, helping was, each other. Yeah. So and these days, I'm sure if you ask the same sort of questions he had then, yeah, he can at least respond. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he does. So, yeah. You know, and um, all the guys have their own little points of view. Yep. Um, I don't get hung up about uh, whether you scan with a digital camera or you scan yep. uh, with a. Uh, I use a Plus Tech. Yep. Uh, 8200 which I think is a great scanner but I only scan it so I can preserve the negatives mm. digitally so I can present them on uh, if someone says I want a copy of a photo sure sure because uh, if I take photos of people they want to be able to have them on instantly on their phone mm. yeah yeah. Um, but I will always do a print over a uh, scan yep awesome first choice yep Thank you so much for showing me um, the process today. It was very educational, and, and just looking at these these prints here of this image I took of this um, office building in Brisbane in January, uh, it looks fantastic. And um, yeah, it just it it's really is a different dimension uh, to the whole process of photography. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely interested in, in finding out more. I'm I'm not sure at the moment I want to go out and buy all the kit, but. You know what? I, I think it's something that as I learn more about, I, I think it, it, it might be. I, th- I, th- I think at the moment the problem is if I've got any more kit, the wife would kill me. But um, I think definitely in, in the future it, it's something I'd, I'd like to do more of. Well, you can always come over here and... Well, <laughs> that's, that's a good um, second option. Definitely, definitely. Uh, so thank you, sir. And um, aspirationalphotos.com, that's where people can find out more about you and your amazing blog articles and your insights. Thank you so much. No, thank you. And... Um We'll go and wash these prints, but we won't Excellent. bore everybody while we do <laughs> So thanks so much to Alistair. I really can't thank him enough for a lovely evening where we printed that lovely negative I had. Uh, It was a lot of fun and I really appreciate all the effort and time he put in. So thank you so much. Now, you may have noticed that I never actually referred to Alistair's last name uh, throughout the episode. Uh, And that's because I've actually got the scoop here. Alistair left me a message a little while ago on how to pronounce his surname. So here we go. Is it Dougal or is it Dougal? Hi, Matt. Alistair here. Um, Out and about, just been listening to your uh, podcast. And fantastic. Anyway, the world exclusive for you. How do you pronounce my surname? And I'm glad you asked this. Anyway, it's easy. My name is Alistair. Sorry about the noise there. Anyway, that's a world exclusive. So you now can tell people how my name's pronounced. You're listening to Matt Loves Cameras. So to finish off the show today, I have quite a few little messages and thank yous to read out uh, covering all sorts of things. Uh, So we're going to kick off by talking about a message that I received on Instagram. It was from a guy called Chris and his Instagram is the underscore photo nerd. Uh, I think we're all photo nerds, aren't we? But um, this is Chris's uh, Instagram, the underscore photo nerd. And Chris left me a lovely little voice message. So I'm going to play it. Here we go. Hi, Matt. Here's Chris from Germany. I just finished listening to your podcast, End of Summer. And my first idea was, how did he make it in the pandemic to Great Britain? But it was last year. 
So nevertheless, I really, really like your uh, podcast and I'm a first time listener. I just picked a random uh, episode and I think I will listen more often uh, to your podcasts. Thanks a lot for your great work and I will buy one of your scenes. So um, hope to hear from you soon and uh, I will place the order later on because I'm just on the way home. Have a good time. Bye. Thanks so much to Chris for sending that in. It was lovely to hear a voice message. And if you'd like to send me a a voice message, uh, just look up Matt Loves Cameras on Instagram and send me one. Now, I've actually had a look at Chris's profile on Instagram and not only is he a photographer and he shoots a bit of Fujifilm digital gear as well, he also has a podcast in German. It's called Die Kleiner Photo Show. And uh, there's a there's a description of the, the podcast here in German. Now, recently I heard on Negative Positives, uh, Mike Gutterman try to read out some German. Uh, so I'm going to have a go here at reading the description of Chris's show, the Kleiner Photo Show podcast. And this is in German, obviously. Die Kleine Fotoshow. Ein Photography Podcast mit dem Fokus auf die kleinen Macro Four Thirds Sensoren, aber nicht nur. Sascha und ich möchten euch inspirieren, Tipps geben und mit euch Spaß an der Photography haben. Ja, nach Zeit werden wir die Podcasts gemeinsam oder solo aufzeichnen. There you go. That's that's my uh, take on how to pronounce the description of Chris's podcasts in German. I probably did a very bad job. Uh, but if you speak German, if you are German, if you're Austrian or you're Swiss or you, or you just speak German, uh, yeah, let me know how I did on the pronunciation. I probably give myself about a four out of ten. Now, in Chris's message, he said he would buy my zine every summer, and indeed he did. So the order came through uh, for the zine every summer, and unfortunately, I've got none left. So I've had to, a few days ago, I had to order some more. So I first ordered another batch of 25. Unfortunately, it doesn't really make financial sense to order like five or 10. The cost of them is too high. So I thought, well, I may as well just get 25, and and hopefully I can sell some more. Um, So if you would like... A, a, a copy of the zine. They're, they're back in stock. So for international orders, the cost is $18.95 US. Uh, unfortunately, it's gone up by about $1.45 from when we launched earlier in the year, just because the Australian dollar has got stronger against international currencies. The UK price has just gone up as of yesterday uh, from £14.50 to £14.95. Again, just because the Australian dollar's uh, a bit stronger against the British pound. But the good news is the Australian cost has gone down slightly. So if you're in Australia and you haven't got it yet, uh, it's going to be going for, it's going to be selling for $22.95, which is $1.50 down in cost, just because the, the latest edition, the third edition, has slightly um, lighter paper. Not You can't you can barely tell, actually. Um, so it's actually, the third edition's got the same paper as the second edition. It was the first edition that had been on sale in Australia, which had much thicker paper. But quite honestly, guys, I mean, I would, when I had an order, I would actually pick up the, the stack of zines I had in my home office, and I'd actually have to try and work out which ones were which. They, they were very, very similar, even though one had a lighter paper than the other. 
Now, I've also had a couple of little messages from people who've received their copy of the zine. The post has been slow, especially internationally, uh, but I had a nice message from Rich, Rich Sussman. He writes, Hi, Matt. Thanks for sending the awesome every summer zine to me in Pennsylvania, USA. I enjoyed the great photos and descriptions. Thanks for the note and postcards as well. Much appreciated. Thank you so much to Rich. It was very kind to leave that message on the Matt Loves Cameras Facebook page. Uh, I think it's the only message ever anyone's left on the Matt Loves Cameras Facebook Facebook page. Uh, I'm actually amazed that I've actually got how many people liking the page, about 70 or 80 people liking the page. I've never ever posted on it. Um, 77 people actually. Uh, So there you go. Um, Wow. 77 people have liked it, even though, uh, yeah, I haven't never actually done anything with it. I also had a nice little message from Ray Stone. Ray found out about the zine through, I think it was the Australian Film Photographer's Facebook page. And Ray sent me a message. We had a bit of a, <laughs> oh gosh, we had a bit of a, a problem with Ray's zine. So I sent it from the town of Warwick, which you'll know from the last episode of Matt Loves Cameras. I sent it there weeks and weeks and weeks ago. Long story short is it got lost in the mail. Um, Australia Post told me that the, the delivery time from Queensland to Perth could be up to seven weeks. And after about three weeks, Ray hadn't got it and asked me where it was and said, have you sent it? I said, yeah, yeah, I've sent it. I don't know where it is. Uh, so we waited the seven weeks and it never turned up, which was really, uh, I felt quite embarrassed that, you know, I was hoping, I don't actually know Ray personally. And I was like, oh, no, I hope Ray doesn't think I've just taken his money and not sent the zine. Um, but after seven weeks, it never turned up. Australia Post lost it. Uh, so long story short is I express post Ray another zine and he sent me a little message. Hi, Matt, it's here. Worth the wait. I love the vibe. That Natura 1600 is incredible and the Kodak Gold 200 is so underrated. I'm going to sit down and read it properly tonight. Cheers, Ray. So thanks so much to Ray. Thank you so much to Ray for having so much patience as well, wondering if this zine was ever going to turn up. Uh, but it did in the end. And uh, Australia posted pretty good usually, but uh, man, I don't know what happened to that one that I posted that Friday afternoon in Warwick. It just disappeared off the face of the earth. So if you are thinking about getting a copy of Every Summer Zine for Christmas, maybe, uh, they're, they're back in stock. That's the good news. So all that talk about zines provides a very useful segue to the first thank you I'd like to do today. And it's actually the very first person who bought my zine every summer. And it is friend of the show, Dale Willits, who lives in the West Midlands in the UK. Dale is delusions underscore of underscore competence on Instagram. And Dale sent me a package, a very unexpected package. You may have seen the images uh, from it on Instagram. I just posted them yesterday on Instagram stories. So I got this package in the mail uh, earlier in the week and had all these stickers all over it saying, opened by Australia Post for inspection by the Australian Border Force. It was all all very official. And I was wondering, what's in this? I'm not really expecting anything. And uh, then I looked at the return address and it was Dale Willits, uh, who lives in the West Midlands in the UK. I was like, oh, wow, Dale sent me a package. And uh, I opened it up and there's a lovely letter from Dale. And um, there was a whole load of really, really cool treats in there. So this is what the letter said. Hi, Matt. I was hoping to get this to you sooner, but life got in the way as it does. For a first try with every summer, I'd say you nailed it. The whole thing comes across as a visual version of the podcast, which is good, by the way. The joke about Wolvo, I had a joke about the town of Wolverhampton in the the intro to the zine. 
Well, it's not really a joke, is it? I'd rather spend a week pretty much anywhere else except maybe Darleston, lol. Darleston is a uh, another part of the West Midlands uh, in, in Walsall, actually. The ice cream van shot is defo the shot of the zine. The little extras that you added are a nice bonus. I spent a few weeks on the Isle of Wight myself, and it's funny how many places I recognise and how many memories are brought back. As a thank you, I've included a few things in this parcel for you and His Majesty. I think you can work out what's yours and what's Marshall's. The zines I've sent were made using Blurb. I mostly make them as notebooks for myself and usually order a few extra to give to or inflict on people as I wouldn't expect people to actually spend money on something that is deliberately made to look cheap and scrapbooky. Well, Dale, I've got to interrupt Dale's letter there. Dale's zines are really beautiful. They're little, I guess they're A5 size roughly, uh, made in blurb, and the images and the, the concepts behind them are beautiful. And I'll, I'll talk about that more in a second. But um, I think you're selling yourself short there, Dale. I, th- I think they're really good. What is film photography? One, which is a Holger, I think, the first scene he sent me, the Holger zine. One is Lumen Prints, and the last one is done on my mobile phone, but processed to look similar to how I process Fomapan. Anyway, there's film here that needs developing, so I'm off. Looking forward to the next two zines. Cheers, Dale. Delusions underscore of underscore competence on Instagram. Thank you so much to Dale. That was such a lovely surprise. I was actually, I don't know, I was feeling a bit of a bit, bit of a doldrums a, a few days ago, and uh, that really did cheer me up. So I'll tell you what was in the package. Here we go. So there were three, there were four key rings. Three of them were uh, cans of film. So there was a, like a Cine still one, a Pro Image 100, and a really cool uh, discount photo uh, one, like a yellow and red one. And there was also a little camera key ring. Very, very nice. Um, I've actually got a whole load of empty film canisters and I always planned to do that project where you make the film canisters into key rings. Uh, but I'm, as I probably told you guys a million times in this podcast, I'm really not very good at making things, um, you know, with my hands, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not a handyman. I'm not a DIY expert. And so um, I, I'm, I'm guessing Dale might've made these himself, but and if so, he's done a fantastic job. They're really, really cool. Uh, maybe it will inspire me to, to make some key rings out of my film canisters. Uh, there was also the three zines. There was one called Walk On By, which is a fantastic concept for a zine. It's basically uh, images of the same sort of piece of footpath or sidewalk uh, and people walking by and just images of their their feet and their shoes. And it's a really, really cool concept for a zine. So well done to Dale on that. And the next one was um, Perfect Imperfections Volume 1. This is another zine. And that was taken using his Holger. Very nice images on there. Love the ones of the swans. I do like a good swan. Even though I got attacked by a swan. I got attacked by a swan when I was a kid. Uh, we went to a um, bit of a, sorry, a bit of a side um, story here. But we went to Perth in Western Australia when I was five. In 1979. It's the only time I've ever been to Western Australia. And we went to this local park and, our, and this black swan attacked me in the park. Uh, I did survive, uh, obviously, uh, but I've never forgotten that. Uh, The next zine is called Perfect Imperfections Volume 4, and these are beautiful lumen prints. And I put a little Instagram story up. Um, I'll put them in my highlights as well. Um, so if you're listening to this after 24 hours, you'll still get to see them. But this just amazing, beautiful images. And that's something else I'd love to try as well in photography. Um, you know, this the colors and the shapes uh, made by those lumen prints are fantastic. And uh, what else was there? There were two lumen prints, which are beautiful leaf sort of lumen prints. Uh, very nicely done by Dale. And there was a pack of double-deckers. Mm, double-deckers, beautiful. 
beautiful. A Cadbury Double Decker, a fantastic English or British chocolate bar. Uh, so thank you so much to Dale for that. And finally, finally, there were two packets of Baker's Whirlers and and Whizzlers. Whizzlers, what are they called? Whizzlers? Um, I've got actually got them in Marshall's um, box, so I haven't got them here with me right now. Uh, but they're actually like doggy treats. So one were bacon flavour and one were beef and cheese flavour. So, um, yeah, Marshall absolutely loved them. Uh, so thank you so much to Dale. When I was unpacking the, the package, um, I think it might have, Australia Border Force might have actually been curiously aroused by the smell of those those doggy treats in the package. I think that's why they opened the package up to inspect it. And certainly when I was opening the package up here at home, Marshall did come trotting over. He His nose, he could smell what was in there. There was something for him. So on behalf of Marshall and myself. Thank you so much, Dale. It's very kind of you. Really appreciate it, mate. So something else I got in the post recently, I think I got it a few days before I got Dale's package. I got another surprise package from the UK. What's happening here? And I got a pixelator from Hamish Gill. Fantastic. Thank you so much to Hamish. It looks really good. It's come in a lovely um, set of packaging here, like a a cardboard sort of uh, envelope. And um, it's got a get started guide and it's got a little intro card here. And it's got the pixelator with all these bits and bobs. And I'm really, really looking forward to trying that out. Um, I've really enjoyed listening to other people, uh, podcasting about how they're using it and, and their experience. And I'm going to give that a go. And that'll be the subject of a of another podcast uh, coming up soon. I just have to have to sort a few things out here at home. And um, I'm actually in the middle of cleaning my home office at the moment. It is a nightmare. It is so messy. But once I finish cleaning up this mess that is my home office and I get all my cameras sorted out, my books sorted out, I am going to... Uh, podcast an episode on using the pixelator and of course i will post up the images uh, images of the pixelator and also images that i've taken with the pixelator uh, very soon so so keep a watch out for that in the next couple of weeks so next, I want to give you a couple of reminders about competitions. So of course, there's the Matt Loves Cameras Sproctastic competition that is currently taking place until October the 15th. So you've got about three weeks left to get aboard the Sproctastic train. And uh, if you go to mattlovescameras.com, there is now a Sproctastic entries page. So there's the, the rules page on the website, mattlovescameras.com, and there's also the entries page. And so far on the page, we have entries from Francois Levadure from Canada, George Griffin from the UK, Sandra Camacho, who I think is from Portugal, Barnaby Nutt, who is, is Barnaby living in Ireland or Poland these days? I can't remember. Paul Wheeler from here in Australia, Tom Napier from here in Southeast Queensland, Ken Tuomi from the United States, and Andrew Spencer last time's winner for the cheap plastic pano competition and Andrew of course sent his in from New Zealand so we have nine entries oh Sherry Christensen as well Sherry Christensen sent hers to me by email so there we go uh, it's Sherry of course is in Canada so we've got nine entries so far so I'm hoping as October the 15th gets closer and closer, there'll be a ton more sprocktastic entries. The All the details are on the website if you want to enter. The basic rules are you just have to shoot 35mm film and you have to expose the sprockets. Any camera will do and any images that you've taken showing those sprockets between July the 15th and October the 15th will do. So there you go. It's a pretty low barrier to entry. I'm hoping we're going to get lots of fantastic sprocket images through. 
Now, of course, if we do get a lot of really fantastic entries, we will do a zine for Sproctastic. So uh, that's another little benefit of entering. You might get your image in a zine. Now, talking about zines, of course, you might be wondering what's happened to the cheap plastic pano, Matt Loves Panos zine. Well, that is still in the works, guys. It's been a bit of a delay. Don't worry. Um, it'll be out very soon. But it is still happening. And I'll have an update for you, hopefully, in the next episode of Matt Loves Cameras. Now, as well as entering Sprocktastic by exposing those sprockets, there's also another photo challenge on at the moment being run by Negative Positives podcast. And that is a like a ghosty Halloween scary image competition, which is being run on in their Facebook group, the Negative Positives Film Photo Podcast Facebook group. Uh, so listen to NegPos or get onto the Facebook group and find out how you can enter that one as well. I'm definitely planning on entering that. I've just got to got to work out how to um, take a scary photo. I'm, I've got to few concepts in my mind but I haven't really um, yeah sort of got it to actually take a photo yet but I'm definitely planning to enter that and who knows you know you could always always do a double entry you know you could you could shoot a scary image using sprockets you could send it through to both competitions job done Now, one final letter I want to read out is from another friend of the show. Everyone is a friend of the show, of course. And uh, this gentleman certainly is a friend of the show. It's from Kevin Lane from the wonderful Uncle Jonesy's Photography Podcast. And uh, he actually sent me this in June. And it arrived, I think it arrived a couple of days before my birthday in August. And it's a a wonderful, wonderful darkroom print uh, that Kevin did of a a bridge or a couple of bridges in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where he lives. Uh, It's absolutely wonderful. It's, It's all in in a map board is that what it's called a map board um shot on film darkroom printed um by traditional photography by kevin lane just an absolutely wonderful wonderful image and um yeah i'm really really uh i was really made up when i got that it's a it's a wonderful gift from kevin and i thank you so much for that now here's the kevin here's the kevin here's the letter that kevin sent Dear Matt, thank you so much for every summer. Your fine talent is evident on every page. And I very much enjoyed reading the text as well. Your idea of decluttering the frame is now my new mantra and I am looking forward to trying it out on my trip to the American Southwest in July. Your book now sits proudly on our coffee table for Debbie and I to enjoy daily. Thank you also for the kind words at the end of every summer. Uh, Kevin was one of the people who I thanked at the end of the zine. I loved your podcast from the very first show and your contributions to the film world bless myself and many others oh thank you sir i hope you enjoy this print of our two oldest and most recognizable bridges in chattanooga it was shot with my minolta x7 is it x700 or x200 uh on ultra fine extreme 100 home developed by me in cine steel df96 monobath oh i'm glad to see that someone else uses the uh the monobath the, the cine steel monobath i printed it at our community darkroom safe like district thanks again cheers kevin and and I really, really love this print when I got it. But now that I've actually done some darkroom printing with Alistair, uh, I kind of have an even greater appreciation. Not that I didn't appreciate it before, but now I've got an even greater appreciation of it. So thanks so much for Kevin. Uh, I actually had a look at the postage, uh, the shipping that it cost him on the front of the envelope. It cost him an arm and a leg to ship this to me. So thank you so much again to Kevin. Now, Kevin, of course, is one of the hosts of the wonderful Uncle Jonesy's Film Photography Podcast, along with his brother, Kelly. So if you haven't listened to uh, Uncle Jonesy's, give it a listen, give it a subscribe. There's always a ton of really interesting and useful information in there. And the, the guys are very entertaining. It's been a little bit quiet lately uh, over the last few months, the summer months. I think there's only been maybe a couple of episodes, but one dropped in the last few days. So I'm looking forward to listening to that one.
That's it for this episode of Matt Loves Cameras. I hope you have enjoyed the show. Make sure you get out there over the next, I don't know, 20 or so days and shoot those sprockets. I'd love to see loads more entries for Sprocktastic. See you next time. Cheerio. Bye-bye. Cassie NMZ. Check the show notes.